Hey, everybody. Just a quick word before today's special episode. Most of the stories we bring you on 2233 are pretty timeless. Exchange stories of lives being changed, courage, and often selflessness. Today's episode has all of those, but it's a bit different as it deals directly with the coronavirus, which has changed the way of life for everybody on the planet. You'll meet Sabrine Schengen, an Algerian public health student in the United States on a Fulbright Research Scholarship. Her locale is the University of Nebraska Medical Center. The quarantine unit there just happened to be the place where some of the earliest Americans infected with COVID-19 were placed. This episode was recorded before the global pandemic changed all of our daily lives, but it's a story we wanted to share, a more immediate example than most of how these exchanges really do change people's lives and ultimately make the world a better place. Please be safe and stay healthy. You had no idea when you were offered a Fulbright scholarship at the University of Nebraska's Medical Center that you were headed for one of the early centers of attention during the first days of the coronavirus outbreak. What you saw and what you learned will stay with you for the rest of your life. You're listening to 2233, a podcast of exchange stories. No, actually, the patients who are quarantined are watched because um, the patients, we say patients, but then the people who were exposed to the virus, they are quarantined, they don't have symptoms. Doesn't mean they are affected by any illness. It means they are just there to be watched to see if they will show any symptom or get sick. And the position, the location of the quarantine uh, unit on the campus is very strategically uh, near to the biocontainment unit. So if any individual starts showing uh, symptoms or maybe showing signs of the illness, they get transferred to the biocontainment unit where they, where they can get the inpatient, inpatient's care. Um, so it is very important to know the role of quarantine. And I believe, and this is something I learned throughout my program um, at the College of Public Health, is to encourage this um, culture of knowing what quarantines are used for and to implement them across the states and not waiting for an outbreak because you never know. We didn't see this coming. So it's good, better to be prepared. This week, a childhood passion for healthcare, stepping into the middle of a global pandemic, and lessons about how to stay safe. Join us on a journey from Algeria to the United States and being on the front lines of medicine. It's 2233. We report what happens in the United States, warts and all. These exchanges shaped who I am. When you get to know these people, they're not quite like you. You read about them. They are people very much like ourselves. And oh, that's what we call cultural exchange. Uh, my name is Sabrina Schengen. I am a participant in the Fulbright uh, Foreign Student Program in the United States. I'm pursuing a Master's of Public Health in Maternal and Child Health Concentration at the University of Nebraska Medical Center in Nebraska. 
Um, my background is in pharmacy. I have a doctor of pharmacy degree from the University of Algiers in Algeria. And I also have a degree in marketing and um, pursuing also uh, an MBA. I would have been working in pharmacy. I am very passionate about pharmacy. Also, it was um, something I wanted to do since I was nine years old. And But maybe I would have been working in um, business because I also was interested in that at some point. But now, definitely public health is what I do best and what I'm passionate about. And I would never get enough of it. We need the culture of public health and prevention, not only treatment, in my community in Algeria. So um, this was the first thing. So while I was there involved um, at the World Health Assembly, I noticed that some health professions, for example, medicine, are more dominant when it comes to policy making. And I really wanted to see more pharmacists, as I am a pharmacist, uh, involved in policymaking and more women in leadership positions. The second thing was that um, raised from this uh, conservative community in Algeria, uh, and I'm aware that it's a case around the world, even in the United States, there is still stigma around women's health, mental health, reproductive health. And I was particularly interested in women's health. I want to advocate for this, for contraception, for mental health, like deleting this, uh, fighting this stigma around uh, depression, anxiety. So I knew exactly I want to pursue a master's of public health in women's health or maternal and child health uh, in the United States. So I applied for the Fulbright Foreign Student Program and here I am. <laughs> I was brought up in a large family, so it was my parents and uh, my four sisters. So we are five girls and I'm the oldest. Um, my parents have always been supportive. Uh, they were protective but at the same time supportive especially for education so education was placed before anything else um, I come from a very conservative family and I am a girl so um, everyone feels protective and I should finish my studies uh, work near where I live to stay safe The moment I saw that my parents trust me to travel alone and live alone abroad and they keep reminding me how proud they are of the things I achieve, they talk to their friends, they talk to their colleagues about what I'm doing and this motivates me more and I want to do more. So 
Surprisingly, I was the only Algerian on my campus. And also I heard from some professors that I'm the first student from Algeria to go there. So um, it was good to share this culture and um, traditions and talk about where I come from. So all the idea that I had about the U.S. and the U.S. culture and the people, the food was from media. When I say media, I would say movies and songs. So the idea that I had is what we see in Hollywood movies. But when I came here, I was surprised of the difference. I never thought that the American culture is this conservative which helped me to fit in and it was very easy to acclimate since I arrived in the U.S. Also, I noticed that the Midwestern culture and specifically in Nebraska, people are very friendly, welcoming, willing to help and very respectful. What I, uh, what I noticed in the United States throughout my experience um, is that there are a lot of opportunities for youth to contribute and to um, participate actively in policymaking, in uh, implementing projects, in doing change in the community. And it's something that I really want to see in my country because we have one of the most important resource, which is youth. And they are motivated. They master languages. They study hard. They are active in civil society and extracurricular activities. So we have all of this if we have more opportunities to actively participate in the discussion around policy making. That's a dream for me. <laughs> So I'm active member um, of the College Public Health Response Team. So the response team has for mission to train the students and prepare them as standby task force to help whenever there is an outbreak uh, or they are needed to support the health department. Um, with the events of uh, coronavirus, it happens that on our campus, we have the newly opened uh, quarantine unit and the biocontainment unit. So um, in 2014, the university supported in taking care of Ebola patients that they were imported here uh, to the U.S. And with the new um, national quarantine unit that has a capacity of 20 beds um, and also uh, the American uh, citizen who were on the um, cruise ship in Japan were brought on campus. So it was a big event to be enrolled in a public health program, being an active member of the response team and witnessing all these events. Um, so we decided um, 
in our response team supervised by uh, my professor, Dr. Metcalf, uh, to monitor social media uh, because, you know, it went on the news. People know uh, what is the current situation, how many patients uh, there are brought uh, to Nebraska and how, for how long and for what purpose. So we went on uh, social media um, with my fellow students, uh, student friends, and we were just monitoring what are um, the reactions of people in Nebraska towards the air, the disease and also towards uh, having the patients uh, on campus. So we pull out this data, this information, and we try to categorize. Is there fear, uh, maybe um, incorrect information, maybe good information? And then we communicate these uh data with the health department so that they can address the fears and give accurate information to the population. What I learned is that this outbreak, um, the United States has a uh, very good preparedness program, and especially in Nebraska. So um, at the university where I study, it's like a niche of the, we have the National uh, Health Security Center and uh, the preparedness program. So everything is ready to protect the population. And I would say that um, as public health uh, future professional, um, the thing that we would expect from the general public is to collaborate and help spreading good information and accurate information and prevention. So the first thing um, is to encourage the people to get vaccinated against flu. And by vaccinating and uh, preventing any complications would help. And also um, optimize in the resources that we have in healthcare. And also keeping the hygiene rules, you know, washing hands and avoiding touching your face and uh, too much physical interaction with people. I mean, during these uh, tough times. If anyone anyone suspects that they were exposed to someone uh, who has the illness, they first thing they shouldn't freak out and they call the health department or the health provider to get information. So there are hotlines, uh, all the information is on internet. It's simple, you just stay calm, you call, and then they will give you the guidance. Try to avoid interacting with other people, don't expose other people to any uh, potential uh, virus, I would say. But then it's uh, very important to stay at home because self-quarantine helps a lot and monitor your symptoms. So you need to be clear what you feel and by staying calm, you, you will give accurate information in a good way to help health providers to act uh, quickly. Mm -hmm. 
the, for this semester, uh, it happened that I am enrolled in epidemiology of outbreaks class, and both of my professors are working on the actively working and supporting with this situation of the coronavirus, and they are encouraging us and giving us accurate information and updates and encouraging us to participate in the discussion it's like you are students today but professionals tomorrow tell us what do you think what do you what would be the measures that you would think of and we also have on campus the davis global center which is one of the biggest uh, simulation and visualization uh, centers where we can learn through uh, 3d um, technology and holograms and eye walls. So we had, um, we used this technology for this class. It's like how to put patients on uh, floors of hospital, uh, how to allocate resources, how to think about quarantining people without exposing others to danger. So um, it's the best time to be enrolled in this program at this school, I would say. We don't know till when this current situation is ongoing. So all we can do is to prevent any uh, damage or maybe escalation. So what we can do, maybe having some uh, disinfectant wipes and cleaning around where we're sitting, washing hands, uh, limiting physical uh, interaction, and it helps. It's good always to be um, ready. Like seeing this uh, entire coronavirus situation, how it impacted lives of many people around the world, not only like showing symptoms and being sick, but also how it impacted economy, how it impacted human interactions. Also, um, I would say accepting others because, uh, you know, when a disease starts in one place and then everyone freaks out. So we need to um, support each other. It's very important. And to promote this culture of diversity and inclusion and um, treating others um, respectfully and helping. So throughout all this current situation, I've been looking into other countries, especially in uh, disadvantaged communities, like what they have resources, what would happen when this uh, happens in their countries, in their communities. Are they ready? Uh, what are the measures? So um, this helps me think uh, from a global health standpoint and being like creative and thinking how to help other communities, not only mine. myself I mean I start all this journey since I started pharmacy and then public health in the US and the Fulbright program my ultimate goal I would say taking a leadership position in the Ministry of Health in my country 
to do the change and to be a woman in a leadership position. Um, well, there are intermediate uh, steps. So now I'm very eager and passionate about what I see here as a, the culture of public health and the programs and uh, uh, the involvement of youth and the research. And I would definitely think of replicating that back home. Of course, uh, minding the culture and adapting it to be accepted by the community and also uh, empowering uh, the population to take part of it. I'm very grateful for the program. I'm very grateful for the opportunity that I had. Definitely life-changing. I mean, it would take a long time to explain how it changed my life, but it did, and I'm very grateful. I think that it was the best de decision that I've ever taken, and I cannot wait to see and to know what are the next steps. Twenty-two-thirty-three is produced by the Collaboratory, an initiative within the U.S. State Department's Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs, better known as ECA. My name is Christopher Worst. I'm the director of the Collaboratory. Twenty-two-thirty-three is named for Title Twenty-two, Chapter Thirty-three of the U.S. Code, the statute that created ECA. And our stories come from participants of U.S. government-funded international exchange programs. This week. Sabrine Shagnit told us about being thrust into the center of a major health crisis while on a Fulbright scholarship to study public health. For more about Fulbright and other ECA exchange programs, check out eca.state.gov. We encourage you to subscribe to 2233. You can do so wherever you find your podcasts, and we'd love to hear from you. You can write to us at ecacollaboratory at state.gov. That's E-C-A-C-O-L-L-A-B-O-R-A-T-O-R-Y at state.gov. Photos of each week's interviewee and complete episode transcripts can be found at our webpage at eca.state.gov slash 2233. And now you can follow us on Instagram at 22.33 underscore stories. Special thanks to Sabrine for her stories and good work in Nebraska. Samantha DiFilippo did the interview, and Kate Furby and I edited this episode. Featured music was Top Slides, Trod Along, Tralaga and True Blue Sky, all by Blue Dot Sessions, and Bittersweet by Poddington Bear. Music at the top of this episode was Quatrefoil by Poddington Bear. And the end credit music is Two Pianos by Tagirlius. Stay healthy. Until next time. <laughs>